Did perimenopause or menopause catch you off guard? Weird symptoms appearing from nowhere? Wondering who is this person who's inhabiting your body? And most of all, having no one to talk to about it? It happened to me too. And with all the chaos that it was causing me, I knew I had to figure it out. I dug in, reading often outdated books and searching obscure references on the internet. I learned how our shifting reproductive hormones mess with every cell in our bodies. And as I realized how complete this hormonal disruption was, I became determined to help other women understand and control their own menopause journey. Because menopause matters. And here, we talk about all things menopause. I'm your host, Jean Andrus, and this is Menopause Matters, the podcast. Hello, everyone, and Happy New Year. This is Jean Andrus, the menopause guru, and this is Menopause Matters. And I wanted to take some time today to talk about unwrapping the gift of menopause and how we go about doing that. And I thought it would be really fun to kind of frame this as an interview. So I brought along with me today, Tara Brown. Tara is my assistant, and she's going to interview me with some questions that I hope will bring some insight to you about what what you can do with your menopause this year and how you can make this year the best year of your life the one in which you unwrap the gift of menopause. Hey, Tara, how's it going? I'm well. How are you, John? I am wonderful. So let's just jump right in and talk about why menopause gives us so much trouble, but can be so such an amazing gift to all of us. So I hear you say that all the time, that menopause is a gift. But everyone I know that talks about it says it's just horrible. So can you explain for us why do you always say it's such a gift and how do you see it as that? So I see menopause as a gift because it allows us to step into our own selves, put our own selves in the middle of our own lives. And that can be for really for the first time in a very long time, but since really pre-puberty when we don't, weren't so reliant on everybody else's opinion of us. But the problem is that it's got so many changes in our bodies and so many symptoms associated with it that we have to get through those symptoms and start feeling better in our bodies before we can really start to unwrap this amazing gift that is menopause. Wow, I love how you explain that. So we, as we go through menopause, we experience so many changes in so many different areas. I mean, the doctors are truly only concerned about our reproductive system. So why do you say that it affects so much more than just that? Well, our doctors have been taught that menopause is a change in our reproductive systems. So they see it as this diminishment of estrogen and progesterone, and they they think that's it. But what 
they tend to not realize they may not have been taught it or they may not just not be thinking of it or as so many of our doctors don't think of us as holistic humans they think of us as this piece or that piece or this specialty or that specialty so they don't see that estrogen and progesterone actually have receptors throughout our body in other words most or all of the cells of our body use progesterone, estrogen, or both to, to carry out their processes. In it, so that means that when estrogen and progesterone levels change, we, we get symptoms all over our body. And many women actually experience this when they have PS, PMS or PMDD, um, premenstrual dis whatever, dysphoria, <laughs> I forget the initials, <laughs> syndrome and dysphoria. Anyway, one's DD is worse than, than uh, PMS. But we, we experience that we go through short periods where our body doesn't feel quite right, but it's only one or two days at a time. And then we get into perimenopause and menopause, and it starts happening for weeks and months on end that our body is just not right because the balance isn't right, that the hormones aren't available to our cells. In addition, there's a chemical interaction between many, many hormones. So um, the ones that I think of hugely are insulin, cortisol, thyroid, and testosterone. But it's also been shown that, that estrogen and progesterone interact with endorphins, and with uh, dopamine and serotonin and many and melatonin and many of the other hormones that act on our systems to keep us in regulation. So when those balances aren't right, when there's too little or too much of something, it throws everything off. And unfortunately, as I said, our doctors tend to look at us as to discrete symptom uh, systems. So you go to the cardiologist for your heart and the pulmonologist for your lungs. And sometimes they talk to each other and sometimes they don't. <laughs> but unless you actually go to a holistic functional doctor, they, they don't tend to look at you as a, a complete person whose systems in one way are throwing off other places in our bodies. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And I completely agree. We're one whole person, but we go to this doctor for this and this doctor for that. And no one ever communicates. Right. Oh. And, and especially, you know, and we think our gynecologists should have that all down, but most of our gynecologists are trained, especially if you go to, and I, I'm, I don't want to put, put anyone down, but kindly Dr. Joe, who who delivered all four of your babies when you were 20 and now you're 48. So that was 28 years ago. And kindly Dr. Joe just may not be read up on, on the most recent things that are the research that's coming out on menopause. So even our gynecologists have, have spent more time training for the obstetrics side and the disease side, the cancers, um, which these are hugely important, but the number of specialists in menopause are, is very, 
very, very low. Gosh, I completely agree. Yes. I mean, you want to have a baby. You need to have a baby to get the baby out. You, you are golden. <laughs> yes. But then, you know, even in your 40s, you have a couple problems and you go back and you haven't seen them in 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's a whole different ball game for everybody. Right. Which kind of leads me into our next question. And we've talked about this a ton. Um, the symptoms of menopause. What are they? I'm sure there's many that we're missing and that are not even getting us a light bulb. So one of the things that drives me nuts is that there's a, there's a website out there that has, um, and it's actually called, I believe, 34 Symptoms, and it's um, was created by one of the major herbal supplement um, groups, and they they have promoted this idea that there are 34 symptoms and that's it. And that's not it by a long shot. So when I, when I wrote my, I just want to be me again book for the first time, I left out the whole list of symptoms. Cause I, it, it was scary to me even as a woman who had finished going through menopause and I felt like I didn't want to scare people, but people kept asking, what are the symptoms? What, what should I be looking out for? Is this a symptom? Is that a symptom? And I feel like it's important to know that these things are related to, to menopause so that we're not scared of them. So we know that they're normal. So I have, my list is over a hundred and yeah. (laughs) So, and it, it, comes it's everything from allergies because our allergy system changes as we um our, our the way our body reacts to foreign invaders um pollens and dog dander and dust and all of those things that people can be allergic to as well as food allergies shift as our hor- hormones shift so that our this happens four or five times in our lives it happens at puberty women Often women and young men um, experience changes in their allergies at puberty. It it changes when you have, when you become pregnant. It changes postpartum. It also changes sometimes um, after you finish nursing a baby because, again, the hormone levels in your body change. But then again, it changes at perimenopause and even at postmenopause. So allergies are a big one. anemia because we often bleed heavily so we can get anemia from from having periods that are extended and long term and heavy so we need to think about that um cholesterol increases often we have something there's a weird one called burning tongue syndrome which is somewhat akin to having eaten a hot piece of pizza um where you your the roof of your mouth and your tongue feel like they've been burnt by by food by hot food and it it's simply a a symptom of low estrogen it's weird but it's there um one i think that sends more people to the emergency room than any other is heart palpitations so heart palpitations um your heart is beating weird it's beating fast it's beating slow it skips a beat these are 
have to do with estrogen and neurotransmissions in 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 the electrical system of your heart. It is normal. It's not probably not a good thing to just ignore it. it. It's probably a great thing to talk over with your doctor or even to go to a cardiologist, but it's also not a reason to panic because it's often very, very simply. They, they do the tests and they say, oh, it's nothing. And you say, okay, must be menopause. Um, and those are some of the weird physical sim- symptoms. But we also have changes in the way we experience anxiety or um, traumatic, not, I I don't want to say traumatic events, but for example, I was driving home this afternoon and a car like decided to drift into my, my lane almost, we were really very close to having an accident, but my reaction to it was probably bigger because cortisol and was not being modulated by estrogen. So anxiety is up. Depression can be up because of progesterone being low. Um, Other kinds of mental um, symptoms include decreased concentration. Some women, um, I'm seeing a lot of women lately being diagnosed with ADHD and in their 40s. Now, is it really ADHD? Do they really need to be taking a pill? Or is it menopause? Do they need to understand how their brain is now working a little differently? Because we no longer multitask the same way we did before. (laughs) And these are crazy things that are linked with the way estrogen works in our brains. Because when we were in our in our hunter-gatherer phase 50,000, 100,000 years ago, our our bodies learned to differentiate what we needed by using these hormones that we had, estrogen, progesterone, and for men, testosterone. So we talk about men being testosterone-driven, for example. And that includes a lot of fairly aggressive behaviors, a lot of hunting behaviors, behaviors like single-mindedness and tracking. Women needed to multitask. So they had these multitask capabilities. They had the ability to um, remember names and nouns a lot better than, than men did. And yet when that goes, when estrogen lowers, those abilities get less uh, See the see the noun thing. <laughs> they get less. They get less sharp, and we we're not as good at it anymore. And it can be scary. I mean, when you can't remember your best friend's name, it can be scary because it feels like maybe this is early onset Alzheimer's, but maybe it's menopause. So all of these things have to be. We have to adjust to them. We have to say, is it. Is it something I need to learn to deal with? Like forgetting nouns? Uh, Yep, forget them all the time. But it's also, you know, what do I do to remember stuff that used used to be automatic? 
using your calendar more or using lists more. If you were one of those people who went to the grocery store and came home with the same 30 items that you that were on your list at home and you didn't need to take the list, maybe you need to take the list now. I need to take the list now. <laughs> so it's it's learning to deal with that. It's learning that the anxiety is coming not from the world getting worse or you getting more fearful. It's getting it's from the way cortisol is reacting in your body. So these are wow. all things that we learn and we learn to deal with. And then once we've dealt with it, we can really start to un unravel this this new human that we are, this new persona that we get to choose and prioritize and we get to go out and live our own purpose and our own priorities it's amazing gosh i couldn't love this more because i feel like now you know you forget something something's wrong with you let's go to the doctor and like you said i know several people that have recently been diagnosed with add adhd because they're not remembering the things. Well, sheesh, I can walk in the room next door and I don't remember things, but you just learn how to adapt to those changes that are happening. So I really feel this is so powerful and so useful for everyone. You just mentioned one of my favorite things, which is what literally has a name. It's called the doorway syndrome, where you are in a room and you say, oh, I need this from there, or I need to do this in that room. And you walk through the doorway and you all, all of a sudden you look around and you go, what the heck am I in here? What did I come in here for? Here's, here's a secret. If, if this hadn't happened to you before, it probably was happening to your husband or your male friends way more than you ever thought it did. Men almost always, it's, it's just common for them <laughs> because this is an, again, an estrogen driven part of our brain that allows us to stick on task as we move from one thing to another for Guys, that's like you go through a doorway and you step into a different dimension. <laughs> and for women, it's you step into step through the doorway and you put put away the clothes that you have in your hands or whatever it was that you came to do. For women past menopause, it starts to happen like guys have it. But it's not this isn't a, necessarily a flaw. It's just a change. And it's which I love that you're 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 broadcasting this, broadcast this because so many people, as soon as it happens, I mean, as a wife, as a mother, as a woman in general, we're used to multitasking. You know, I'm going to leave here and then I'm going to go. I'm going to switch washer loads. I'm going to put the laundry away. I'm going to start supper. I'm going to run a kid to practice and then I'm going to grab those things from the. I mean, your list goes on and you're used to it. So as our bodies are changing, I love that you're saying we need to embrace that. It's not something wrong. It's our progesterone changing. It's our, yeah, so it's actually estrogen in my case, but. Estrogen and progesterone. <laughs> yes. Again, you know, you're starting to forget those things. It's okay. So what are some lifestyle changes that women can make then? 
to help us with these menopausal symptoms? So to me, the most important, a lot of the emotional and, and um, mental changes are about understanding and simply supporting your body to be the best it can. But some of them you can't, you just can't fix and, and return to the way you were. So like multitasking, um, the way you fix multitasking and get it back is that exactly. It's you put it all down in writing and you learn to use your calendar and your notebook and your list maker and your phone. And thank God we have smartphones, you know, oh yes, goodness for smartphones, because they're the way that we get to use technology in a way that our our mothers our grandmothers our our aunts and uh, they never had that so now we have the the capability of using all this wonderful technology that we have to take care of those problems in terms of the emotional stuff some of the emotional stuff can be handled with these lifestyle changes but it's really starting to support your physical body with the nutrition that works for you. So a lot of times, you know, I don't know if you ever go into the grocery store and you walk through the the checkout line and you see those magazines and every magazine every month had front pages, a brand new diet. And if those diets worked for everyone, like they say they would, there wouldn't be a new (laughs) issue of the magazine with a new diet on it every month. And the reason that it works for some people is that some people have the nutritional match for that particular diet. That makes sense. So some, yes. And I know you've talked about the before, and I love that you say that do what works for you. I mean, you're not saying you're going to go vegan or you're going to do keto or you're going to go on all meat. It has to be what works for us. It has to be what works for us. And it has to be what works for us, not just nutritionally, but it has to fit into our lifestyle. So you and I have talked a little bit before. You have a bunch of kids and a husband. And so you have to you have to have a lifestyle. You have to have a diet that fits into that family framework and probably taking kids to sports and whatever they do in the afternoon, music lessons and dance lessons and all those things. I live with my husband in a very small household. So all we have to do is suit ourselves. And even there, uh, he and I don't generally eat the same lunches, even though he's retired and is in the house. Often I will go go to get a salad and I'll pick him something else something else or he'll eat something from here i don't eat sandwiches he does he eats cereals i don't so we we just work our own diets the way they work for us that wouldn't work in your household and it wouldn't work in many women's households it wouldn't have worked in my household 20 years ago because i lived in a different different household I lived with my mom and she was very regimented, so it wouldn't work. Um, 
we have to have diets that fit our own sense of what we like to eat. <laughs> Let's be real. I couldn't go vegan. Just couldn't do it. Some people couldn't go, couldn't eat an animal if you paid them because it, it doesn't work for them. So we have to have varieties of food that work for us. We have to have cooking styles that work for us. So if you can't spend 30 minutes or, or an hour in the kitchen making a, a dish, then it's not going to work for you if I hand you a set of really complicated recipes. So you're going to fail. <laughs> you're going to fail. Same goes for exercise and the exercise. Oh, last thing that our diet has to do. Our diet has to complement what we need nutritionally to support our hormonal balance. Big things here are toxins in our foods, too much sugar, too much gluten, too much alcohol, too much processed foods. A lot of those things may need to be adjusted, either short-term or long-term, in order for your hormones to work correctly. One of the weird things to that when I talk to people about diet, some people are, are like, why isn't my keto working? Well, they're, they're way high on cortisol. So their keto diet is actually feeding into that feed the cortisol thing. And they actually need more complex carbohydrates in their diet. So they need to add the quinoa or the sweet potatoes or some of these complex carbohydrates that, that kind of allow their cortisol to say, oh, I'm not in a famine. Same thing goes for exercise. But at the base, we need to get, we need to get a handle on the stress we, we're living with and how we sleep. So those are two huge things in my the way I work with women. I start with sleep. We go to stress. Then we deal with diet. Then we deal with exercise. And those are huge and important factors to getting our hormones in balance. And once our hormones are in balance, we can start unwrapping who we want to be and how we want to be in the world. Yes, I love that. And the way you describe that to me is like you're peeling an apple to get into those seeds to grow more and do mm -hmm. more. So I really love that you start with the sleep, which I feel like females always sleep less than a man. <laughs> so it's just always been like that. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that women, you know, when they're nursing, when they're having babies, first of all, when you're having, when you're pregnant, you're not sleeping well because you've got this thing <laughs> in the way. And every time you turn over, you know, or, or you, you, you settle down and they start kicking. Um, so you don't sleep well through pregnancy. And then you have this, this infant and maybe you're nursing and maybe you don't, don't express and have bottles for dad to get up and take care of the baby, or maybe you're the, the one not working and he's going to work every day. So he needs to sleep and you're getting up and you're trying to nap when the baby's napping, but there's something going on that doesn't go on later. And that is oxytocin. And oxytocin is the cuddle hormone and it's coming from your babies it, it, and your interaction with your babies. So that when we don't sleep as a young mother, 
a lot of times we're getting that oxytocin, which which really actually takes the place of sleep. Yeah, we get sleep, sleep deprived, but it, the sleep deprivation in menopause can feel a whole lot worse, even if it's not any bigger or fewer hours than we had during pregnancy. And then, then they're teenagers too. <laughs> and if you've ever had a teenager not, not come home <laughs> by curfew, and they're driving the car, you, you know what staying awake and worrying all night can be like. Um, anyway, that's one reason that sleep is so important is, is that we don't have the compensating mechanisms going on in our bodies. So we fix sleep and that starts to bring all our hormones back into balance. And then we fix stress and that does another step. And then we give it the right exercise and the right nutrition. And that does even more. Love that. So along those lines, how would you say alternative therapies like hypnotherapy, Reiki, and breath work, how do all of those play a role in managing these symptoms and challenges that menopause throws at us? So I started, I, I started with Reiki a few years ago because I just had this niggling that it would help my my clients and the people I wanted to work with. And what I find with Reiki is it allows us to look at the way energy is flowing in our body and uh, to see where it's stuck and not moving well and to actually change that and to, to look back at whether or not there are places in our life that we're we're a little stuck, things that have happened that have have kind of pushed us into a corner. So those those things tend to re re reemerge during menopause, and so Reiki is is part of healing that and examining that. Hypnotherapy does a little bit different uh, has different role to play. And that is that so much of this stuff, like, like we talked about multitasking, multitasking is a habit. Uh, going to the grocery store without a list is a habit. Um, not, not doing, the, um, there's just so many habits that we have, eating sugar, eating, choosing the standard American diet. Those are habits. And so hypnotherapy is great for re- focusing us away from bad habits and into good habits. So I use hypnotherapy in, in treating specific, specific symptoms with, uh, along with a, a bunch of other things, understanding and uh, quick techniques and, and all of these things to allow us to break free of habits that are sticking us in the with the wrong behaviors or the wrong choices around eating and sleeping and exercise and focus and concentration all those things can be fixed with hypnosis including helping our bodies heal I've done some amazing work in the last 2 weeks with my husband on on some broken ribs and i'm just finding it's amazing that's so, so great. Breath, now, breath work is all about, 
raising and lowering energy. So it can take your stress levels down. And when you need it, it can bring them back up. Oh, not stress, but energy levels. So I really found I played with a lot with yogic breath work over the last year. It's been amazing how it helps my clients sleep better, relax better, relax in the moment, take care of issues when they arise and uh, ditch the stress and yet bring their energy up when they need it. Isn't that, it's, I just find it so astonishing how powerful in a moment when you are just wound and like, oh my gosh, just mm-hmm. taking that deep, huge breath is just so astonishingly changing for you it's and how you're feeling. Oh my gosh, absolutely. I could not agree more. So I love that you are incorporating those in your work as well, because sometimes I feel like as women, we don't need that. We don't have time for that. Like, oh, breath work, we're good. Why don't I have time for 10 minutes of sitting down and meditating or, you know, just focusing on how I'm breathing or, and it can truly change your whole day's outcome. There was, there's a wonderful quote and I can't remember. It might be the Dalai Lama who said, said, oh, might be Mother Teresa too. If you, everyone should meditate for an hour a day, unless you don't have time. And then you should meditate for two hours a day. (laughs) I have seen that one and I love it. And we have to find the pockets of time to do that because it's so beneficial for every piece of our day, not just just the stress or just a specific part. Mindfulness so is, is a huge part of this as well. Knowing what's going on, observing yourself doing what you're doing. Yeah. And I love that. Taking that, let's stop. Let's think about it. Let's work on it rather than just keep to plowing through these symptoms that you're having. Right. So finally, how can understanding and addressing these changes help transform menopause into an empowering and positive experience for women. I feel like menopause is just a terrible word. You know, it has that stigma attached to it. Oh, menopause. And then you're like, oh, okay. (laughs) So here's here's a story. Um, I was applying a few years ago to TEDx before, just right before COVID uh, took everything apart. And I was... uh, applying for TEDx women's talks. And I sent an application off and I said, this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about the gift of menopause and how we we can reach to it as women and get and what it does for us. And she says, I got a reply back from this woman. She says, I love everything you're saying. And this is awesome. But you can't use the word menopause because I hate it. I, th- I know. It was pretty funny. It was, it kind of killed the conversation because there really is no other word for it. Um, There's a couple of, there's a couple of really obscure words for it, but there really are no other words in the English language that truly mean menopause and climatrics is the one. And like I said, nobody knows what that is. And everybody thinks it has to do with sex. (laughs) Which it doesn't, <laughs> but very opposite. <laughs> no, no, that doesn't have to happen either. But that's a that's a story for a different day. Um, but here's the thing: 
when we understand what's happening in our body, when we understand what's happening in the way we think and feel emotionally, feel is, feel is a weird word. You know, it means how do you feel physically and how do you feel emotionally? But when we understand how it's changing all of those things in us, then we can say, oh, okay, this is why I don't care about other people's opinions of me as much as I used to. This is why I need to care more about who I am and what I want. And this is why over the last 20 to 30 years, I didn't have those feelings. And that was okay too. It was okay to be a mom and a worker and all of these things that we were and how busy we were in just getting our life, getting through our lives and raising our kids because biologically, that was what we were being told to do. It's what our biology said. And now it's saying, you have this time. This is yours. This is an amazing time where you can decide who you want to be, how you want to interact with other people in your life, and really embrace your own purpose for being. Without a lot of guilt or shame in doing it. That's so, so great. Gosh, when I talk to you, I learn so much. And you just put everything, you just wrap it up into this beautiful package that menopause is now, it's our time. You're so right. It's our time. You, you know, you live with your parents, you get married, you're a wife. And you're a mother. That mother lasts for a long time. And then once your kids are gone, menopause really gives you that gift of you. Yes. And of course, it's not going to make it. It doesn't make all problems magically disappear. It doesn't make aging parents less aging parents. <laughs> um, it doesn't make returning post-college kids less more independent just because you've decided that that's not although although it does make it easier to say to your child hey time to get a job if you <laughs> embrace it if you embrace this 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 time that says no your job is not to make their lives smooth for the rest of the the century now i agree we're postponing motherhood Sometimes it means you have small children still in the house, early menopause. Sometimes you still have small children in the, in the house. I don't expect you to tell your three-year-old that you're done making dinner for them. <laughs> Sometimes it makes, it, it takes compromises and we never, ever, ever have to throw anyone or anything out of the center of our, our lives. If we want to keep them there, we just get to put ourselves there too. I love that. Tara, thank you so much for talking with me today. And hopefully this episode will allow some women to rethink how they think about menopause. And if you're struggling, reach out to me. You can reach me at menopause.guru. There are contact pages. There's ways to reach out to me there. And thank you so much, Tara, for joining me for this New Year's episode. 
Thank you for joining us today. If you enjoyed this episode, please submit a rating and review and share it with a friend. Menopause has many annoying symptoms, but not many are worse than the lack of sleep. If you are one of the 90% of women who suffer from menopausal insomnia and or fatigue, I'd love to offer you my free download, Five Tips to Get Better Sleep Tonight. You can get it at menopausematterspodcast.com slash sleep. And let me know which of these tips works best for you. 